Shalom, this is Rabbi Brian. If our podcasts have been a blessing to you, will you please consider being a blessing to the nation of Haiti? Mishkan David supports two works of the Lord in Haiti. The first is our Beth Chesed Orphanage, where almost 40 children are cared for and taught about the God of Israel and the Messiah Yeshua. We also support Messianic congregation Mishkan Yeshua Haiti, which is overseen by our own Rabbi Peter Oliveira. Adonai is doing a supernatural work there to bring the love of Yeshua and the restoring power of his Torah to the entire nation. Visit www.torahforhaiti.org. That's www.torah, number four, haiti.org to sponsor a child at our orphanage or to make a one-time tax-deductible donation. Thank you, and may the Lord bless you as you listen to the word delivered at our Mishkan David Shabbat service. Shalom. One thing to read a book, and there's another thing for the word in the book to become flesh. He's taken us to a place where the word is still becoming flesh. And when that word gets on hearts of flesh, rather than stone, that's when miracles occur. That's when change occurs. That's when purpose is realized. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord, for not being offended by our stony hearts. (laughs) God is like, I'm not offended by stone. I am the stone. I'm not offended by rocky places. I am the rock. I take rocks and I pierce it and water comes out of it. And I am that rock. Thank you, Lord. If you see me up here and you don't think I'm making enough eye contact with you, well, tough. I'm not talking to you. If you find that I don't make eye contact and I'm always looking kind of above you, that's intentional. I don't want to look at any of your faces. As beautiful as they are. They're so beautiful I don't want to get distracted. It's true. Oh, how you doing? Save it for later. I'm looking at him. Susie and I, several years ago, were at some place ministering in some music, and um, I was singing some song, and after it was all done, some person came over to me and said, wow, what you sang was awesome. What you sang was anointed. What you sang was so moving and moved my spirit. So I responded with all the holiness and humility I can muster. I said, what's the Jesus pose with the fingers? It wasn't me. It was the Lord. And the person responded, no, it wasn't. 
If it was the Lord, it would have been much better. So, it's not me, it's the Lord. Talk about that a little bit. And by the way, that story never happened, by the way. Another pastor said that joke, and I'm robbing his material. Just letting you know. So, I don't believe, as I said here before in the last couple of weeks, I don't believe we are approaching a time of revival. I believe we are in a time of revival. And I believe that being in a time of revival, that God is assembling his people precisely and as he wants them to be. We are seeing an assembly of the body in a way that is, that is so precise. It's exactly what he needs for the right time. He's, he's setting up the army precisely as he needs the army. We have two visions of the body of Messiah in Scripture. We have, we have the Messiah who is beaten and whipped and scarred. And then we have the resurrected body glorified. I believe we're as a body, as a full body, we're moving away from being in that place of being whipped and scarred and beaten and moving into the place of walking in the power of the resurrected body glorified body. Yeshua fulfills all scriptures. He fulfills Torah. He fulfills prophecy. So the valley of dry bones is even that is fulfilled by him. So the valley of dry bones in a way that you could see like you, the, 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 the bones that are scattered, you could see almost that being him on the cross. But then as he came out of the grave, you see that the, the flesh came upon him and then the spirit came bringing life to this being. And you could even see it in, in the full body of Messiah. You see a broken and scattered body. The valley of dry bones very much is like the body of Messiah. But the Lord is bringing bone upon bone and flesh upon flesh. What does that mean? That he is rearranging his body. He is rearranging the parts of his body and is pouring his spirit out on his, on his body for it to operate. So it truly is not us, and it is the Lord. Not us, and it is the Lord. So, see, when we, when we hear the body of Messiah, how many people have heard the term the body of Messiah? It's just, it's just something you hear, the body of Messiah, the body of Christ. Normally when you hear that, you think like a, an assembly of people. It's the body of Messiah. It's like an assembly of people. Nuh-uh. It's the body of Messiah, the body. He's the head. And you are the body, literally, of Messiah. Paul says, don't you know that you are, your body are, are members of body parts, of Messiah. You are his body. He is the head. It's no wonder why Yeshua, when he was walking around following his disciples or other people, were follow, I'll follow you anywhere. Yeah, right. He read right into that one. I'll follow you anywhere. Yeah, uh-huh. 
Next person, well, can I go bury my mom and dad first? What does he say? The son of man doesn't have a place to rest his head. He's not just looking for a pillow. He's looking for a body. Do you understand? The son of man needs to rest his head on a body. You are literally the body of Messiah. You know, what is salvation? People, what is salvation? You go to somebody who doesn't yet believe. What is salvation? You know, there's, there's so many ways that the, like the, the church over 2,000 years speaks about getting saved. And they'll go to somebody and talk about going to heaven and not going to hell and all these things. And I'll tell you what, when I was an atheist, unbeliever, Jewish guy, none of that moved me. Because if I didn't believe in God, I didn't believe in hell anyway. So the whole way you go and when you die didn't really work for me. But what is salvation? I'm telling you that salvation is so much more than end times anything. Salvation, you become part of the body of Messiah. And Messiah is divine. So you become part of this divine entity. And your purpose winds up being his purpose. I mean, in the story of Moses, there's like two main characters. There's Moses, who's being used by God, and there's Pharaoh, who's also being used by God, but as a vessel of destruction. So you can be used by God in a way that he's using you to part seas, to bring miracles, to bring manna from heaven, or you could be like Pharaoh, who's also being used by God. But God desires all to be saved. So what is salvation to me? Salvation to me is, is be you becoming the best you ever. It's you becoming the best you ever. Because once you're connected to the body, then it's no longer you that lives, but it's Mashiach himself that lives within you. See, Paul didn't have any problem saying, it's not me, it's the Lord. He said, it's no longer I that live. How can it be me? I died with him. So it's him dwelling within me. So when you're part of this body, whatever body part member you are, you are connected to something, the greatest thing ever. You become literally physically connected to the greatest one ever, the greatest story ever. And you become part of this. Without it, you're like a disembodied hand. You're like Thing from the Adams Family. <laughs> I mean, Thing can do some cool things. You know, he comes out of the box. You know, he could point to his little sisters. You could do that. Just scratch your butt. Hey, this is fun. What else can a disembodied hand do? But once it's connected to the Messiah, it's no longer your hand. It's his hand. And you become part of this. And it's when that happens that divine purpose is realized. Oh, yeah, we can have purpose in life. But when we're connected to the source, 
that's when purpose becomes a reality. There's a difference between service in the kingdom and purpose in the kingdom. There's a difference between service and purpose. There's a difference between serving the Lord and walking in the purpose of the Lord. And since we are not going into a day, since we are now in the day when he has assembled his body perfectly, your purpose in this body is going to be realized and affected more than ever before. Because the bone is coming upon bone and the flesh is coming upon flesh and the spirit is being poured out again. And it's no longer serving. Here's the difference between serving the Lord and purpose. Here's the difference between service and purpose. Service is the Lord has done so much for me There isn't enough that I could do for him. Service is work-based. And not that I have a problem with service. We serve. Somebody got to clean the bathroom. Service. Service is good. Service is holy. But there's a difference between service and purpose. And God is bringing all of us into the place of saying, this that you do right here, whatever that is for you, this, that's not service. That's purpose. Do you have anything that you could think of that's like, when I do this, it ain't me. When I do this, yeah, I'm serving the Lord. But when I do this, it ain't me. When I do this, it is the Lord. I am completely out of the way of this thing. God is about to reveal what that is for each of us because you were assembled so perfectly for that purpose in his body. I could share this story from when I was working in, at Pfizer Pharmaceuticals like some years ago. I was working in New York City, and I was trained through college to be a computer programmer, which means that my life at work was stick me in a cubicle, don't talk to me, tell me what to program, and I'll make the, I'll make the computer jump. I'll make the thing do backflips. Just tell me what to do, don't invite me to stupid meetings. It was, it was perfect for my introverted little self till I go into a back corner. And I loved it. It was, it was so perfect for me. I was able to code and make the screens look this way, and it was this beautiful meld of, of artistry and, and technology, you know, because you, you make the screens look a certain way, but you got to program the computers. I was really good at it. Until... <laughs> Until my company was bought by Pfizer Pharmaceuticals and they shipped my butt to New York City 
And they don't have computer programmers there. They just have managers. So they made me be a manager. And I didn't know how to do it. I just, just leave me alone. Tell me what to do, and I'll program the computer, and I'll make it skip around the room. I didn't know what to do with this whole manager thing. So there was, and I really struggled a lot, really a lot. But there was this one time that we had an offsite. I hate work offsites. I hate this forced socialization thing, introvert nightmare. Hey, let's all go to some offsite and do this thing. There's only one place I'm not an introvert. It's right here. God cured me of introversion because of you crazy Mishkanites. Because I love you too damn much. I'm not kidding. Outside of you knuckleheads, leave me alone. It is purpose. It's totally true. So here I am at this offsite. Here I am at this offsite, and this is what we had to do. Me and all my peers, we had to present to our other peers and managers what we do. And the subject matter was completely boring. It was like, and everybody pretty much did the same thing. Well, you know, we go to the finance people and we tell them that they have their sales and they, ex they report their, their expenses and then they have the revenue and the revenue minus expenses is the profit. All right, sounds good. Next, well, you know, I go to these people and they have their expenses and they have to log their expenses and manage the expenses and then the, the, the revenue and the revenue the management. And it was all boring stuff. Now, mind you, I have never done anything like that before in my work life. I am in the cubicle in the corner programming the computers. And I was a wreck. A nervous wreck about what I had to do. I've never presented to people like this, this, especially this type of subject matter, which by the way, I didn't know anything about. I was terrible at my job. So here I am, I had to present. Everybody's, you know, and I am literally sweating blood. I am in the bathroom. I, I literally, like almost vomiting in the sink. I'm looking in the mirror. I'm like, God, save me from this. I am not kidding. It was like a, like a Gethsemane moment for me. I, but, I, I, but Yeshua is obviously so much more holy because he went, well, not my will, but the Lord. I'm like, forget that. Get me out of here. Take the cup. Not, no, my will, not your will. It was, I was a wreck. I was a nervous wreck. I am not kidding. I was a wreck. So if this thing is going on and on and all these, these, these peers of mine are doing their presentation about the expenses and the revenue. And after a couple of hours, it's starting to get pretty boring and everybody, you could see people are starting to chat. You know, all the executives are in their back, you know, doing their executive thing. And now it was my turn. And I remember specifically walking up and I turned my back to the audience to go up to the podium and I'm praying. Now's your chance, God. If there's a rapture, this is a good time for it. I believe it. There's a rapture. I believe it. I believe, God. I'm sorry for not believing it. I believe it. So I go up there, and I turn around. I started to talk about the expenses and the revenue. 
and it wasn't me talking. God took over. And all of a sudden, all these people that were bored from hours of this and starting the chat, all of a sudden started to be quiet and started to gather. And I'm not exaggerating. All of a sudden, they would sit. All of a sudden, they sat. And they're like this. <laughs> and they're nodding at everything I'm saying. And I'm like, yeah, the financial controls and the revenue and the... Like, they just heard the same thing for the past five hours, and I'm, I'm talking, and, and, and they're like, and all of a sudden, I see, like, the executive, like, the, the high-level guy, all of a sudden, who's getting coffee in the back, goes, oh, wait, wait, I got to hear what, what Brian's saying. <laughs> and he comes up, and he's listening, and everybody's listening to every word. And I ended it, in Jesus' name, amen. Wrong. I did not do that. I'm still looking up there. After it was all done, <laughs> after it was all done, all the executives are like shaking my hand and patting me on the back. Well done, Brian. Keep doing what you're doing. A lot of my peers were like, Joe, well, apparently the boss really liked what you did. Mm-hmm. It was so good that I went back and told all my friends, I did so good, it was unbelievable. And the next time, like a year later, we had to do the same thing. I said, you got to come and hear me speak. And I flopped. Okay, that's another part of it. But after, after that event, I went, God, what was that all about? And he said, I'm going to take over your mouth. I'm going to speak through you. I said, whoa. See, we don't know when purpose is being forged in our lives. Because we go through seasons of it being forged. In this Torah portion, it talks about a, a slave, and what the slave is, is somebody who broke the law. Let's say I stole from, we spoke about a little bit of, of stealing. Let's say I stole something from Val's house, and then the court said, you're guilty. Interestingly enough, in the whole justice system of Torah, there's no such thing as jail. If I stole from Val, what's the punishment? I got to pay it back. That's it. Okay? However, if I can't pay it back, I got to work for the girl. And she's got to take my butt into her house. And I got to do stuff for her. And it's so interesting when you read the writings of, of the rabbis who, who lived all these things. They said, you know, there was a result of this that's not written in the Torah. It said that the, 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 the poor and the rich all of a sudden intermingled because of it. Because now all of a sudden the rich who were stolen from have to take these poor in and are, are told, commanded to treat them well like family. So now all of a sudden there's this intermingling that otherwise wouldn't happen. But anyway, it's only supposed to be for six years. You're only supposed to work for this guy for six years. Seventh year, free, period, no matter what. And this whole concept of six, work, seventh, free, is all throughout Scripture. It's a divine thing. Six days of work, Shabbat. Six years of this slavery, indentured servanthood, seventh year, done. For six years, it's service. This person, this servant, is serving. But in the seventh year, 
the slave, the servant, can say, I don't want to go. I like it here. I don't want to leave. When the slave does that, he's no longer serving. It's purpose. But to get to that place of purpose, sometimes we have to go through the six years of struggle. So we ask, you know, Lord, what is my purpose? And I tell you, I know that there are people here that feel like they, like, what is my purpose? What is my purpose? I know I'm a believer, doing the best I can. Running this ministry, I'm cleaning the bathrooms. But ultimately, many of us are like, what is my purpose? And I tell you right now that we're in the time where this sweet spot of who you are, who you were created to be, where you are as a member of his body is about to become a reality for you. And this sweet spot where you can say, it's so not me, it is so him, is about to be revealed. And there's many reasons why we just don't see it coming. Firstly, sometimes we're in that place of six years of work and seven of freedom. And we have to go through that. You know, just because you start off as a hand, it doesn't mean you're going to end as a hand. Do you know that your purpose may not be exactly what you're good at today? He may take that completely away from you, and all of a sudden you're in this place of like, where am I? What am I doing? What am I doing? Good. That means that he's forging something new in you that there is purpose that you are about to attain. I assure you, I was never good at this rabbi thing. <laughs> I assure you. <laughs> but I know it's purpose. I know it is. I mean, Susie, with her music, her worshiping, I remember in our, in our old congregation the time that Susie was first foisted onto the worship team. Believe me, it wasn't by choice. It was the, the worship leader got sick, and all of a sudden she was like, kicked like, go, 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 lead worship today, right now, right now, right now. Uh, okay, okay. And there was a forging process that happened before the purpose is realized. So don't despise the forging process. It's a good thing. Sometimes you miss your purpose because you think that the purpose has to be like a 24 by 7 thing. Do you know that like so much of what Yeshua did is not written in the book? We don't, we, don't, we don't read the time that he's just kind of sitting around, you know, taking stones and flinging them into the water. Six years of work, seventh years of rest, 90% is, is yours, 10% belongs to the Lord. Don't be surprised. These, these things are spiritual realities. Don't be surprised that like you only are working in your purpose like 10% of the time. These are spiritual realities. And isn't that so? Like, we're walking around like, what's going on? I'm going to work. Everything's mundane. I'm here at work today. And then I go home, and I got my family, and I go to sleep, and I go to work, and I got my family, and I come home, and I go to sleep, and I got and like, what's my purpose? It's okay. If you don't operate in your purpose all the time. Because God is the one who owns time. So he's the one who will plant you in the place for your purpose to be realized right then and there. And so often we don't see it because we have a definition of what purpose is that doesn't match what God's purpose is for you. 
We think we know what it is, but we're all messed up. So then we're operating completely as the, the connected hand. You see, my hand has no thought of its own. It's just getting signals from the head. It can't take any credit for it. And we're in situations where we, as parts of the body, are doing things that totally connected to the head. And, we, and as we, we go through that whole experience and then turn around and go, God, what is my purpose? Because we, 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 we think it's supposed to look a certain way. We look into scripture and we're like, oh, spirit of prophecy, speaking words of knowledge. Words of wisdom, speaking in tongues, evangelism. You're like, I don't have any of that. Yet you go and you hug somebody and the person's like, man, I was just hugged by the Lord. I know I was. You look at somebody in the eye and the person's like, that's not a human looking at me right now. I know it. And there's stony hearts breaking in me right now just through that one look. I had to go and stay at somebody's house, and I left the house. I'm like, boy, I didn't stay at the house of just some regular human. That person has a spiritual gift of hospitality. That wasn't them. It was the Lord hosting me. So we, like, look at these grand, grandiose things in the Scripture, and we miss what God is doing. Purpose doesn't look always like you think it is, like it should look. But I'm telling you right now, that God is revealing purpose to you. God is revealing purpose to you. And yeah, God uses Pharaoh. The deliverance couldn't happen without Pharaoh. But there's a mystery here. There's a mystery. There's a mystery here. Oh, the rabbis debated all the time. Well, whose heart was hard? Was the Pharaoh hard in his heart or did God harden his heart? I mean, whose fault is it? It says that Pharaoh had a hardened heart, but it also says that God hardened the hearts of Pharaoh. Which is it? I, I think the answer is yes. So God will use the hardened heart of Pharaoh to bring about his purposes. But there is a divine purpose when we are connected bone upon bone, flesh upon flesh with the Lord. And he's bringing that reality into fruition in this day. Oh my gosh, there's, 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 you know there's revelation that not a single one of his bones were broken when he was being whipped and crucified? That means the structure is intact. In spite of it, you, in this day, have a purpose in the body, in the Lord. A divine purpose, called for a time, for a purpose, for a reason. I charge you today, don't miss it because you're looking the other way. Don't miss it because you're looking at something else, your own human definition of what purpose looks like. And if you're struggling and if you're like, what is going on? What is going on? What is going on? Hang in there. We go through our six, our six years of, of, of service before we enter into the seventh year of purpose. So hang in there with that. God loves you. 
He's called you. All things work for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Thank you, Lord God. Your purpose is our purpose. Your purpose is our purpose. You have called us to your, to your body, to be connected to your body on purpose. Not for nothing, but for purpose. And Father, for everyone here, I pray that they can look beyond the, the muck, look beyond the, 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 the distraction to look beyond storms and to find that eye of the storm, that sweet spot where each of us can say, in this moment, in this time, in this function, in whatever I'm doing, this is so not me. This is the Lord. This is so not me. This is the Lord. This is so far beyond just service. This is not I the living. This is Messiah living within me. Bless the name of the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you.